Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. All right, welcome, Faith. Hey, take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We are in the miracle sections of the book of Luke. Uh, we have looked at several different amazing miracles. We started out to begin the year out. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. And he goes on to talk about all the miracles that would be done under the anointing power of the Holy Spirit of God. We saw the miracle of forgiving sins and raising the lame man back up to walk again. We saw the miracle of raising the dead back to life. Last week we saw the miracle of Jesus Christ speaking and calming the winds and the waves. And today we're going to look at an incredible miracle, a miracle of multiplication, a miracle of provision. And it's found in Luke chapter 9. And we'll look at those uh, seven verses together from 10 to 17. Uh, I've got a uh, couple of boys, a couple of sons, and they have four kids each. And they like to come over to Pawpaw's house and hang out, and we have a great time together. My uh, oldest son is in Jacksonville, Florida, and so his kids will come up from time to time for the holidays, and Jason will come over, and everybody comes over to Pawpaw's house, and we have a great big time together. And usually one night while they're there, we'll order pizza. And uh, what, I, what has happened lately, though, is my son's have taken over the pizza ordering. They don't let me do it anymore. Uh, a couple of reasons. One is they're just plain bossy. I got bossy kids, and now they think they can run and control me and do all those kinds of things. But when I would typically order pizza, I would order just enough. And I would make sure I would count out the pieces in my mind. I would count the kids. I would figure out how big each kid was, uh, what size they were, how much they would consume. I did the math in my head, and I would say we would need three pizzas. That will feed everybody. But my sons do the math, and somehow they'll come up with five or six pizzas. And they order the pizzas, and, you know, and, and I just hate leftovers, and usually we'll have a pizza, pizza, we'll have a whole pie left over or whatever. And when I'm there, we're usually a little tight, a little short, and we just barely make it. Everybody gets a couple of pieces, a piece and a half, whatever it breaks down to. But when they order the pizza, and you know the reason they order all they want is dad's pie. And if it's not their money, it doesn't matter. Just go order all the pizzas, every kind, every variety, every shape. And as long as dad's buying, it really doesn't matter. We just want plenty. Uh, I want to tell you something. God is a God of abundance. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't do it right down to the last, the minutest piece or the least detail. God is an incredible God of abundance. And you're going to see how God takes a few loaves and fishes and feeds 12,000 people. It's an incredible story. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Luke chapter 9 and verse number 10. And when the apostles returned... They reported to Jesus what they had done. And when they took, took them with him, he withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds le learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away 
so they can go to the surrounding villages, countryside, and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes, and unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, what, uh, there were about 5,000 men who were there. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up into heaven, he gave thanks, and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for this incredible story. We pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to what you want to do in our own lives. And we ask it in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them God's a God of abundance, and then you may be seated. The disciples had reached a place of physical and mental exhaustion. They had been out on assignment. They had done what God told them to do. They went two by two. They're casting out devils. They're healing the sick. They're preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Wherever they go, they're doing amazing things, and they are just simply wore out. How many know sometimes in ministry you get wore out? You give and you give and you give, and you feel like I've got no more to give. And the Bible says they headed to a remote place of Bethsaida. And they're trying to get away from the rest of the crowds and the masses. But wherever they went, word got out. You could no longer hide Jesus anymore. And the crowds are gathering and they are already there. So Jesus starts all over again, healing the sick and ministering to those who are there. And, And it's getting late in the afternoon. And the disciples realize that they've been there a long time, and now everybody's getting very, very hungry, and hungry crowds are not happy crowds, and so they're thinking to themselves, let's just go ahead and send them away. That's their solution. Lord, let's get rid of them. Let's get them out of here. Let's send them away so they can go find their own food and their own bread and their own stuff. Now, Jesus had given them a task that extends extends them beyond their own abilities. In other words, he gives them an impossible task. He simply says, you give them something to eat. 5,000 men, ladies around, children running all over the place. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. He's setting themselves up for an impossible situation, one that only God can handle. And immediately they begin to give all their excuses why it won't work. Now, when God tells us to do something, how many times do we reel off the excuses why it won't happen, why it can't work, why we can't accomplish what God calls us to do? we got excuses. We're ready with them. And the first excuse they give is the bad location. This is a remote place. It's a remote place. We're a long way from everybody. It's a remote place. There's nobody around here. There's no food around here. There's no McDonald's around here. No Burger Kings. None of that's around here. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. There's no way to get the food. How many times in ministry have you felt like this is a remote place? I've talked to pastors before, and sometimes we may feel like, you know what, this is really hard ground 
The people are hard. They're cold. There's, there's so much sin. There's so much iniquity. This is hard ground, and we almost feel like God can't do anything here. I, I have people come up to me sometimes and say, Pastor, you know what? I, I feel like maybe the Lord's wanting me to change jobs because I'm at a job where everybody around me is lost, and the language's filthy, and they, and they do drugs, and they drink at nights, and they go partying to the bars afterwards, and I feel so out of place, and, and this is just really, really hard ground. I'm surrounded by sinners, and so I think I need to change jobs. And my response is, you know what? God has you there for a reason. You're the light to reach those guys. You're you're there strategically. It's a hard ground. It's a hard place. This is a place of spiritual barrenness. But those that are hurting need more love and more the light of Jesus Christ and more of the bread of life. Don't send them away. And there is no one too hard for the Lord to reach. We can't say this is a hard ground. There's nobody unreachable for God. Their hurts create a greater opportunity for forgiveness and hope. And then the other excuse they gave was it's the wrong time. It starts out, it's late in the afternoon. It's late in the afternoon. The day's about over. The sun's about to set. It's, it's really late in the afternoon. Time is running out. I, I, I've, there, there are those of a theological persuasion that the day of miracles is over. Dispensational theology that says, you know what? God baptized in the Holy Spirit in the first century church. God gave gifts to this Holy Spirit in the first century church. God did miracles of healing in the first century church. But you know what? After the last apostle dies, the day of miracles is over. I'm so thankful that's not true. I'm so thankful there's nowhere you can find that in the Word of God. They say, well, when we got the canon of Scripture around 300 A.D. and they decided on what was going to be in the Word of God, that's when the day of miracles ended and now we got the Bible and I don't need to hear from God anymore. I'm still glad that God today speaks through His Holy Spirit and He can lead and direct and guide us personally. Yes, we have the Word of God. This is infallible truth, but God is still speaking and moving and doing miracles today. He is still baptizing believers with the Holy Spirit just like He did on the day of Pentecost. And they say the time is over for miracles. It's not over, my friends. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some would say, you know what? The hour is getting late. The Lord could come back at any moment. And so we just got to keep looking up into heaven and waiting for Jesus Christ to return. And yes, he could come back at any moment. But I will tell you, the word of God also is very clear. Occupy until I come. And I believe it is getting late in the afternoon. And I believe God could come back at any time. But that should create a more urgency in my heart and life to do all I can to get the good news out and spread the bread of life. Too late, too late, they say. We've got to send them away. And then the lack of resources. That was probably their biggest excuse. We don't have enough. There's only five loaves and two fish. What is so little among so many? Now, John's the one who tells us. By the way, this miracle is in all four Gospels. John is the one who would say that it was a little boy who brought his lunch to one of the disciples And then they gave, the disciple then in turn gave it to Jesus Christ. Uh, One of the gospel writers would say there were five barley loaves. 
Barley loaves were the, were the food of the poor. Small, little, bitty loaves of bread. And so five little tiny loaves of bread. The fish, one of the writers would say they were two small fish, probably about the size of a sardine. And so these are not king mackerel here. These are sardines we're talking about. And so you got a couple of sardines and five barley loaves. And their, their solution is send them away. We don't want to watch them die on our watch. We don't want to watch them die under our own noses. Let them find their own food and their own lodging. Now listen to me. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are not careful, we can be quick to send them away. Let the government take care of them. Let the government feed them. Let the government provide the housing for them. And we send them to all the social agencies in the world. Send them away. We'll send them to counselors, worldly counselors for advice. I am all for godly, spirit-based, word-based counseling. But so often, we want to send them to the counselors of this world for advice who are not God-centered. And so you've got an anger problem, we'll send you to anger man- management. You have a marriage problem, we'll send you to marriage counseling by secular psychologists or secular counselors. And so what the church is doing is we will send them away. I want to tell you, we have a God of miracle-working power and might. Why do we need to send anybody back into this world? Mm. you got a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, we'll send you to this world's rehabilitation centers. When I believe Christ can be the answer for any kind of deliverance man might need. And yet it's so easy to just say, send them away, go here, go there, check this system out, check that system out, and we send them away when I believe Jesus Christ is absolutely the answer for any single problem in life. It's Jesus Christ who gives healing. It's he who gives hope. It's him who gives freedom. Jesus turns right around and says, you give them something to eat. He still says to his church today, you feed them. You give them something to eat. They're your responsibility. Mm. Jesus was setting his disciples up with an seemingly impossible situation. Now let me tell you, this is exactly the same scenario he has set up for us. It is what I would call in the natural an impossible situation. And here's the scenario he has created for us. He told the disciples, feed the 12,000 to us. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. I want you to think about me, for, think with me for just a moment. There are 196 countries in the world today, 196 countries. Many of those are inaccessible. Many of those, they say, you can't come in. If you come in and sh- talk about Jesus, we'll kill you. There are no passports. There are inaccessible countries. There are, there are right now today 6,693 unreached people groups. Unreached. That means they've had no gospel witness there are over seven billion people in the world today and so we look at this impossible scenario that God has set up for his church go into all the world and we say how can we do this I will tell you there is not enough money there is not enough time there is there remote places they're inaccessible And it's easier for the church to say, you know what, we just simply cannot do that. We will send them away. 
we'll ignore what's going on in the world around us. I want to set up a mathematics problem for you and, and how many, some of you guys like numbers and want to crunch numbers in your head. Let me just give you the numbers here. Even if the disciples have prepared in advance, even if they said, you know what, we're going to be out there, there's going to be all kinds of people around us, let's take some lunch to them and we'll give them out and we'll pass them out. If all 12 disciples brought enough lunch for themselves and they said, you know what, we see the people around us uh, and we'll divide the lunch three ways, that'll feed 36 people, it still leaves. 11,964 people without food. And even if they brought a whole backpack full, and in each backpack that they had, their knapsack that they brought on that occasion, on that day to Bethsaida, and we'll feed, we can feed 20 out of our knapsacks. Uh, If you do the math, that's 240 lunches they can pass out. It still leaves 11,760 people without food. Even if they wheeled wheelbarrows in, and they could pack 100 lunches inside of those wheelbarrows, and all 12 disciples brought uh, 100 lunches that they would give out and distribute to the needs of those all around them, there would still be 10,800 people who would still not have food to eat. No matter what we do, our resources will never be enough to meet the needs of all the people. The crowd knew it. The disciples knew it, and Jesus knew it. The world, that would never add up mathematically. But Jesus has a new math. Remember when they first entered new math in high school or elementary, and we're all going, what is this stuff? The new math. Bring it to him, and let him bless it, and let him multiply it. That is God's new mathematics. We will never, ever have enough, but I ask you, church, what can you do? Can you pray? Can you greet a guest at our doors coming in? Can you feed a hungry man on the side of the road? Can you tell someone what Jesus has done for you? Can you bring someone to church? Do you got an empty seat in your car, in your van, in your SUV? Can you bring someone to church with you next Sunday morning? What can you do? Can you mentor a boy or a girl? Work with our children. Work with our youth. What can you do? The idea is whatever we can do, we give to Jesus Christ, we give it to him, and we let him bless it, and we let him multiply it. We can be quick to make our excuses. We can say, Pastor, this is a remote place. This is such hard ground. Pastor, it's getting too late. We're running out of time. Pastor, we don't have enough. We make our excuses. And the Lord is waiting for someone to say, here I am, Lord. I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I have some of my own doubts. But Lord, use me. Here I am. I just give what I have back to you. And God will take it and God will multiply it. You see, it's not about us. It is about the power of Almighty God to do the impossible. God is an almighty, all-powerful God. You will never have enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never have enough talent. You'll never have enough abilities. Uh, You will never have enough resources. It's not about you. It's about him. God's the miracle worker. Mm -mm -mm. 
Look at verses 16 and 17 again. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. You see, the disciples didn't understand that they had the creator of the universe in their, in their midst. They didn't understand that Jesus who spoke in all the worlds came into existence. They didn't quite grasp that. Romans 4, 17 says, who calls into being things that were not. They had forgotten that in their midst was the same one who when three million Jews are traveling through the wilderness, every morning they woke up and there was manna on the ground and they all ate and they were all satisfied. They forgot about who was sitting there with them. Can you imagine the hushed expectancy as now they've divided the multitudes up and they got little neat groups of 50 all scattered across the line for their distribution, for their distribution ministry, and they got them in groups all spread out and the disciples are waiting, what's Jesus going to do? What's going to happen now? And the crowd is waiting with anticipation. And Jesus, the Bible says, looked up into heaven. Now listen to me right away. He always knew who his source was and he looks up to Almighty God. Every good and perfect gift come down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And so they look up to their source, and then he does something else. He gives thanks. The only response for God's mercies and goodness and grace is to always give thanks because everything comes from God. And so he gave thanks. Now I want to tell you, there's a little hint here of something that is going to happen in just a few short months away. And that's another time when he's going to look up to God, he's going to give thanks, and he's going to break bread. He's going to pass it around his table. He's going to say, this is my body, which is broken for you. He gave thanks. The disciples took the broken pieces, and they began to pass it out, and they distributed, and there is plenty for everyone, and there are Uh, they are distributors, not manufacturers. We are distributors of the gospel. We are not manufacturers. God is the manufacturer. He is the source. We are simply distributors. And they are distributors, and they begin to distribute the bread that they are given. If we give what we have to him, he will bless it and give it back to us to feed others. The disciples caught the spirit of sharing in his work. Now listen to me. They, the, the disciples get caught up in this. Can you imagine them keep running back? There's more bread there. They're, they're passing it out. They're, they're going up and down the aisles. They're passing out the food as fast as they get it. They run back to Jesus. They get more. They keep coming back, and they're passing out all that bread to everybody who is seated there on the lawns that day. Had they only been onlookers, they probably got a little critical. I'm not sure these guys deserve bread. They should have thought ahead of time. They should have brought their own lunch. And there's John over there. He's a mess. He doesn't deserve any bread. And there's Harry over there. He's a goofball. He's done all kinds of bad stuff in his life. He doesn't need any bread. You see, when we're not involved in the distribution process in the church, we tend to get very critical of others around us. Start giving out the bread and shut up. 
Quit criticizing everything that is done, every little thing we do at Faith Assembly of God. If you'll get busy passing out bread, you'll be so filled with joy and life and excitement, all of a sudden that critical spirit won't be there. But when we're not involved in this distribution, we sit back and we judge everybody else around us, whether they're deserving or not. That's a good word, church. Just write it down somewhere. The formula is still the same today. He is the supply. We are simply the conduit. They went back to him again and again. The whole paradigm of ministry is shifting. God uses people to get his work done. And he says, we're the source. You give it out. You come back. And every time I give out, I need to always be running back to the Lord to get more of his supply, more of his source, more of his strength, more of his power, more of his grace. And I go pass it out again, all over again. And process goes on and on and on until the multitudes are fed verse 17 says they all ate no one was neglected no one refused all are fully satisfied only jesus has the bread of life that will satisfy turn to isaiah 55 just a great scripture here isaiah 55 It's a tragedy when men and women in our world spend what they have on that that does not satisfy or that that is not bread. It says, come come all you who are thirsty and come to the waters. You have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, hear me and your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. In other words, uh, there is only thing that can really satisfy is Jesus Christ. The world thinks more marriages will satisfy, more sex will satisfy, more drugs will satisfy, more alcohol will satisfy, more money will satisfy, more things will satisfy, more power will satisfy, more position will satisfy, and they're chasing after that which is not bread. But the only thing that will satisfy is Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He is the answer for this world. Not only do the disciples become distributors, but they also become recipients. Notice the abundance. It says in verse 17, and there were 12 basketfuls left over. Why 12? Why not 9? Why not 8? Why not 17 baskets left over? 12. I don't know. Maybe because there's 12 disciples. I don't know. Of course, i got to think that little boy went home carrying a basket full, too. So I don't know which, one, which disciple got cut out. But anyway, 12 basketfuls left over. How do you end up with more than you start with? Let me read a quotation to you. Spare, and you have not enough for one. Share, and you have enough for the multitudes. Spare, and you have not enough for one. Share, and you have enough for the multitudes. The same thing he says in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Listen to this. One man gives freely, yet gains more. How does that happen? How do you give freely and gain more? Another withholds unduly, 
and comes to poverty. The generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now this is God's new math of multiplication. This is not natural math. This is supernatural math. This is math that I give it away and I always get more. I withhold for myself. I keep it for myself. My time, my talents, and my possessions. And I end up in poverty. Don't look at me like I'm trying to get something over on you. I just read it in the Bible. I just read it there. It can't be any clearer than that. I wonder how much bread that boy took home to his family. Starts out with five little bitty loaves. A couple little fish. And he comes home to mom. He's carrying this basket of food. And he says, Mom, I got the coolest story I got to tell you all about. And he recounts the miracle that Jesus did and the joy, the effervescence. And then all of a sudden, all the neighbors come in because there's so much food left over to feed them out of that basket full. These are spiritual laws. Those who use what they have for the Lord will always have enough for themselves. Those who fill others' mouths will always have enough for their own baskets filled left over. That, my friend, is a spiritual immutable law. It works. Luke 6, let me read it in the New Testament. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In ministry, you begin to give out, and the Lord refreshes, and he gives back, and you're filled with so much more joy. You love others, you will always be loved back fourfold. They will love you in return just because you're loving others. You give financially of your tithes and your offerings, the Lord will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you that there will not be room enough to contain it. These are spiritual laws in the Word of God. The disciples were not passing out their own bread. They were passing out the bread that first passed through the Lord's hand and was given back to these 12 disciples, or in this case, 12 stewards. It's not your own bread. It's not your own talents. Not your own abilities. It's, it's, it's not your own brains. It's, it's not your own money. It's not your own stuff. It's all God's anyway. I'm a steward. So I give what I got to God, and He blesses it, and He multiplies it, and then I can feed the masses. Listen to me. And, and get this, get this. At Faith Assembly of God, we can pack our lunch and we can come to church every Sunday and we can have our own little picnic and have fun and say, wasn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Or we can give it to the Lord, let him bless it, and take it out in the world and make a difference. Are we going to have a picnic here or are we going to feed the masses? 
Are we going to have our own little religious club? Religious gathering? Social times? Or are we going to get serious about feeding the masses? And you start coming with these, well, it's a remote place. And it's getting late. And I don't have enough. But God's heart still breaks with compassion over the masses. And he says, you feed them. You give them something to eat. Don't slough it off to somebody else. It's your responsibility. You give them something to eat. He says they need not depart. We make excuses about what we don't have, but Christ is our all-sufficient Lord, and either, either he is great enough or he's not. Give all you have to him and let him use you. Christ is the bread of life to the perishing world. We must pass it on to others. A hungry world is feeding on substitutes. They are lost in sin, and they are lost in their indifference. But they need not depart, because in Christ Jesus, there is sufficient grace for all. And all can eat, and all can be satisfied. And I've got great news for you. There'll be a lot left over. As Christ used a boy's lunch, and the disciples passed out the multiplied bread, he still uses surrendered lives today to reach his multitudes. And you know what? We always end up with more blessings than we start with. We always end up with more blessings than we start with. And there's incredible joy when we get busy serving in the kingdom of God. You won't have time to grumble, gripe, or complain. You'll be so filled with joy. You'll be so excited about serving others, spreading the gospel of life, watching the Lord change others, and your life will be radically, radically changed. The most joyful people in the world are those who learn the secret of giving themselves away. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for this challenge to our hearts and lives this morning. And I pray, God, you will speak to us in a powerful way this morning. We love you so very, very much. Lord, as we gather around your table today, as we break bread in this service this morning, we remember what you did for us. Remember how your life was broken one time. But God, how it just keeps giving love and mercy and grace time after time after time. So I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your blood. I thank you for saving us. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your sweet presence in the house today. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.